Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, everyone. So I tried to record for my Patreon, by the way, patreon.com slash Liz Explains in Audacity last week, which is where I always record, and it just kept fucking up over and over for some reason. So I've finally taken the plunge and I'm recording this in GarageBand. We'll see how it goes. Am I going to have to edit it in fucking Audacity? Probably. Is this unnecessarily difficult? Yeah. Do I hate having a MacBook? A hundred percent. Honestly, one of my biggest regrets is buying a MacBook. I fucking hate it. The only thing I like on this MacBook is that I can iMessage and please, goodbye. I won't, like, goodbye. I should have spent, I don't know, 1500 less dollars and gotten a fully loaded PC that was significantly better in all aspects. <laughs> I just really, I really hate this computer. It was so expensive. It was so not worth it. Yeah, that's it. Um, anyway, hi, how are you? If you want to join my Patreon as I said, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. Um, this month I did, well, I guess in January, it's February now, but I did episodes on Grey Gardens with Troy. Last week's episode was just me chatting about YouTube and the new Trisha Paytas drama that's always coming up. And then this week, I believe I'm doing an episode on Mary-Kate and Ashley. So yeah, come listen to me talk about non-teen mom stuff. There's nothing really going on in teen mom world. Kale sold her house. So that's good. You guys know that I'm like thoroughly on the page that Kale made a big mistake moving to Middleton and that moving back to Dover was her correcting the mistake and it was necessary and what she should have done. So, you know, bully for her for doing the right thing. Uh, I I read, I don't know, they, they weren't sure. The person who posted on Reddit wasn't sure, but she was asking 90000 more than she bought it for. Um, I'm sure by the time closing fees and real estate, like brokerage costs came out, she probably didn't make that much money, but she most likely didn't lose money. So that's good. <laughs> good for her. It's a seller's market. But yeah, I'm glad that she is back in Dover where she should be and where she never should have moved from. <laughs> like, girl, you're going to be in Dover until Lincoln is old enough to drive himself like that's what it's going to be like until Lincoln is old enough to drive himself around like she's gonna have to be in Dover unless Javi and Joe agree to move somewhere else with her <laughs> I don't know maybe they'll all move to New Jersey like to South Jersey Philly area because I know V's family that's what they really should do well I guess Javi's still doing Air Force stuff I, he must still work at the base in Dover so I was gonna say they should all pack up all their shit and move to the Lehigh Valley area where they're from, or Jersey where V is from, or Philly, or just somewhere up closer to me. Um, not because I want them near me, but like it's a better area to live in than Dover. So that's what they should all do. But you know, that's not going to happen. But yeah, I think that's really it for Team Mom news this week. I mean, this week was really dominated by talk of this week's episode of OG, which had some stuff go on, shockingly. Here's the thing. I think people want me to 
rip into the Edwards. I've seen a lot of people being like, oh my God, I can't wait for you to discuss this this week. And I'm just letting you know up front, like if you want this to be a podcast where I like completely shit on everything that Jen and Larry do, like that's not what this podcast is going to be. Um, first of all, you kind of know that's like not, well, sometimes it is. Sometimes I rip into people. Oh, one thing. <laughs> Mac McKee like <clears throat> put out an apology, but she didn't even put out an apology. She, people had DM'd her. So she DM'd an apology, which is hot shit. It's really, really shit. Um, oh, somebody said that Kale got $840,000 for her house. Um, I have no idea how much she bought it for. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I would have to say how much she bought it for, but I do believe that she meant that she took, um, she got, uh, what am I trying to say? Sorry, that she got, she made money. <laughs> My brain is dead. Okay, so Mac McKee DM'd this statement and then the Teen Mom Shade Room reposted it. I have been personally reaching out to those who are affected and hurt by my poor choice of words and sad lack of education on not knowing how wrong I was. I have no justification of what I said other than I was simply fearful of using black, and I thought colored and woman of color were the same. I'm so sad that I hurt people. Racism is not who I am or what I represent, and her color was not the point that I wanted. I was wanting to make. But I won't make excuses for myself other than just admitting I was wrong. If you choose to have no respect for me from here on, it was well-deserved. But truly, my heart, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Let me tell you why that's a fucking bullshit apology. Because <laughs> I saw some people be like, that's not bad. And I really believe her that she didn't know. Here's the thing. Yeah, she didn't. I uh, Sure. Can I believe that she's so fucking stupid that she doesn't know the difference between colored woman and woman of color? I guess. But that is like the least big problem with her post. Like, here's the thing. <laughs> Life pro tip. If you're scared of saying the word black, don't make a post ripping apart a black woman, insinuating that she only has a career she has because she slept with married men and that she doesn't deserve to be vice president. Don't do that. Just don't do it. If you're too scared to say the word black, don't talk about black people. <laughs> That's it. I think it's like a pretty simple thing. And I think people want to focus so hard. Well, there's like a bunch of things they want to focus on. They want to focus so hard on her intent which I don't know how long we need to share, like, that intent doesn't really matter that much. Like, what matters is the harm you cause. And even if you have good intent, you can still really do bad things. I mean, the road to hell is good with, is paved with good intentions. Like, has that not been a saying forever? Like, we know that. Like, we know that good intentions don't necessarily always produce good outcomes. So that's one, like, maybe, maybe, I don't believe that. But let's pretend there is a world where her intent was not to offend. Um, okay. I like I, I don't know. Like what is what is like determining her intent really matter? But like, okay. Um, two, I can't stand when people are like, I'm not racist when they are racist because Mackenzie is racist. She said a ton of nasty shit about Native Americans. And like specifically, Josh's dad, I believe, is fully, I think he's Cherokee, I think she said. I'm not 100% sure. But like his, Josh is half Native American, as far as I understand. Maybe 
25%, but I believe his dad is like a tribal member. I don't know if Josh is. And Mackenzie has specifically talked about his aunts being lazy and being on welfare. And she's talked about Gannon and like this summer when the Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter stuff was happening. That's like the worst phrase ever. (laughs) Oh, you know when that Black Lives Matter stuff was happening? No. But this summer when Everybody was posting on social media about Black Lives Matter. That's a better way to phrase this, I think. Um, She was like, she was talking about how Gannon would be dark because he's Native American. Like, Mackenzie's racist. So one, I would say her intent was to harm because it's not like she just said, okay, here's where we could talk about intent. If this was just on a post where it was like, this is amazing. Kamala is the first female vice president of the United States. And she said, it's really incredible that a colored woman made it to vice president of the United States. Now, is that a good comment? No. No, it's not. But I think that's where we could talk about intent. And that's where we could just talk about ignorance. And that's where it's like, okay, let's like hope that she learns from this. But that's not what this post was. Remember, this post was completely shitting on Kamala. It was like making up. I talked about it last week. It was like just completely making up bullshit points about her. Like it was it was inaccurate. It was slandering her. It was implying that she only was able to like have a successful career because she slept with a married man who remember that married man had been separated from his wife for over 10 years before they even met. But in just insinuating that she doesn't deserve her career because she got a boost up from sleeping with someone more powerful is so gross in general. It's just such a disgusting thing to say. So why are we talking about Mackenzie's intent when it was on a racist post in the first place? Like, we're not just talking about the fact that she said colored woman. It's the context of the entire post. Now, the other thing that... um. I didn't like was that people are just, they're just so eager to forgive her and be like, it doesn't matter. Her intent doesn't matter. Everything's okay. But like, no, Mackenzie shared a racist post. Mackenzie is stupid. And Mackenzie being scared to say the word black kind of like shows everything that you need to know about her because clearly like she does not spend any time at all trying to educate herself. She does not spend any time at all consuming Black media. She does not spend any time at all with Black people. She probably doesn't know any Black people except for maybe like crew members on MTV. And in my opinion, that goes way beyond just like growing up in small town Oklahoma. Like if she was 14 and this was 2002, like maybe we could talk about this. But like Mackenzie is from a small town, but one, we have the fucking internet. Two, like, Mackenzie McKee is famous. She has access to, like, a wealth of information, and she chooses not to educate herself on it. So I don't really care that she's, like, trying to I, like, what I'm saying is, like, I don't care about her intent, even though, like, I know that her intent was malicious. And, yeah, I just think that Mackenzie is a bad racist person. I, like, I do. I think, I saw that she had deleted her Twitter because she posted, I guess she posted that and people were calling her out. It might be back up now. I wouldn't be surprised if it's back up now. But I just think she's a piece of shit. I really do. Like, I think Mackenzie McKee is a bad person. Like, that's what it comes down to. And I hate this, like, 
no racist bone in my body bullshit that she's trying. Anytime I hear somebody say they have no racist bone in their body, I think of, um, remember like Stretch Armstrong? <laughs> remember how, I don't know if you were a fucking freak of a child like I was, but I used to like cut open toys that had a uh, consistency that was unknown to me. And like, if you cut open a Stretch Armstrong toy, it was like this goo. I also had this like baby alive thing that had like a skeleton, but then it also felt like a baby. I remember cutting that up. It was like blue gel inside of it. But that's what I think of when people say they don't have a racist bone in their body. Like just like the goo that's inside of Stretch Armstrong <laughs> is their entire body. But yeah, like I think Mackenzie thinks that she's like, really owning up to it by being like, I was scared to say the word black. It's like, okay, so why were you commenting at all? And 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 her fucking comment was about the fact that she didn't think that Kamala deserves to be a woman of color that has made history. Why does she think that she's qualified to speak on that? If you want to hear more about this type of rant on Patreon this week, I was ranting about Trisha Paytas, a YouTube star who is highly anti-Semitic, but nobody cares because everybody hates Jewish people. And like last week, she just declared like Jerry Seinfeld is my least favorite Jew. And it's like, who fucking cares? Like, you're not allowed to say that. You're not Jewish. Like, you don't get to have an opinion on this. That's fucked up to say. That's anti-Semitic to say. And for Mackenzie to walk around as a white woman and be like, she doesn't deserve it. There are plenty of other women who deserve to make history and not her. Plenty of other, like, uh, women of color that deserve to make history and not her. Like, shut the fuck up. Just shut up. So yeah, I do rip into people on this podcast is how I got here. But I, in general, I think that my listeners know that I am not a person that likes to just have a negative podcast. I think that I've always made that very clear. I like to, I don't like to say I like to look at both sides because kind of going back to like no racist bone in my body talk, I kind of hate like the, the fallacy of both sides, right? Like because there aren't always two, like, I don't know, there's not always two sides to every story. It's like, we don't always have to look at both sides. But I do find context to be very important. And I do uh, find it, bo- like, I don't know, I feel really fucking sad for Jen and Larry. And I have a lot to say negatively about them and what they said this week. But I also, I I hope that I can provide what I think, context for what I think is probably going on in the Edwards family. Obviously, I'm going to be basing this on my fucking opinion. (laughs) I don't know shit. Also, I think Ryan is a real piece of shit. Ryan sitting there in that Trump hat, like truly go fuck yourself. But that's just like bare minimum of why I don't like Ryan. Like I think that Ryan is a real piece of shit. I don't think Jen and Larry are pieces of shit. And I have a lot to say on enabling and the pressure we put on parents and family members of addicts to be perfect. And I don't know, like, I just want going forward, like, if if you don't want to hear an empathetic view of Jen and Larry, then I guess just skip this episode. Like, if you just want me to rip into them, like, that's not what this episode's going to be. It's just not. Um... Yeah, I want to talk about addiction and families and why it is so fucking complicated. And also just some of my controversial opinions on like what enabling is and 
rock bottom, which I think I've, I'm sure I've talked about on here how I don't believe rock bottom is a concept. I think it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> I think rock bottom is a pretty word that was made up to, I don't even know, like to make people feel like they understand why an addict would stop. But the reality is, is the only bottom is death. And I know plenty of people who have gotten sober, like as a result of consequences that are way less serious than like some other things that happened to them. Like I know a ton of people that like hit really bad bottoms, like had really, really awful stuff happen to them and they kept using for years. And then like one day they get a speeding ticket and they're like, I need to stop. And that's when they go decide to get help. Like there's, it's, I just think that it's a bullshit concept. It's like a fantasy. Rock bottom is a fantasy that like once they hit their bottom, they'll be ready. And that all has to go back to like enabling in the, I'm like holding my hands to my throat right now. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing, but it all goes back to what I have to say about families and how families handle addiction. So I guess we will, I don't know, I I guess I'm not going to talk about them first because you guys know that like, I remember the first time I did, I recorded like a sample podcast. I started with the person that like had the most going on and then I felt so like depleted afterwards (laughs) that I was like, I don't want to talk about these boring people. So I'm going to save the Edwards family towards the end. Um, and I'm going to go through everybody else first. Um, let's just hope this is a podcast at all. Because I I could I think actually what I'm going to do, I'm gonna record this in GarageBand and then I'm gonna upload it in fucking Audacity to edit it and put the intro and the outro in because that's like all I can handle. Also, this is recording as a mono track. It needs to be a stereo track in Audacity. But the person giving the explanation on YouTube said to make sure it's in mono. So I don't fucking know what's going on. I think I'm gonna have to do this is like the worst decision I've ever made. Here's the thing. Editing is really hard when you have no idea what you're doing. I'm a self-taught Audacity expert, and I just really hate that it's not compatible with Mac anymore. So anyway, let's take a quick break, and then we will talk about this week's episode. I'm really excited about today's sponsor of Feathers in My Hair because you guys all know that I love bed. You know I'm recording this ad from my bed. So when Helix reached out and asked if they could send me a mattress to try, I obviously said yes. My old mattress was comfortable, but just getting way too soft and I was waking up with back pain every day. I jumped on the Helix site and took their two-minute sleep quiz, which I appreciated because I'm a side sleeper who needs a firm mattress. The quiz took my specific needs into account when recommending me a mattress. Thanks to the sleep quiz, you know that you're getting the best possible mattress for you. Helix has soft, medium, and firm mattresses, as well as a cooling option for all the hot sleepers out there, aka me. Helix cares about everyone getting the mattress that works best for them and has options for all body types, including plus size. I took the Helix quiz and it recommended me the Midnight Lux. It's a perfect combo of soft, but still has a lot of support for my back. If you're even thinking about getting a new mattress, you should check out Helix and take the quiz and see what they recommend for you. It comes shipped right to your door. Just go to helixsleep.com feathers, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Helix has a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out 100 days risk-free. They'll even pick it up for free if you don't love it, but trust me, you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com feathers. That's helixsleep.com F-E-A. T-H-E-R-S. 
Okay, okay, okay. Let us start. By the way, I just pressed stop. And now this looks like it's a... Oh, God. This is a mess, guys. <laughs> I'm really nervous about this. If if this fucks up, like, I don't know if you'll be getting a podcast because I don't, I don't think I could record this again. Let's start with Cheyenne because she had truly nothing going on on this storyline. I think Cheyenne was already pregnant here. Did you guys notice like she was wearing a big hoodie? Like I think she was starting to get pregnant. I don't know what time of year this was. Like I don't know the timeline of when Cheyenne was filming, but she definitely looks pregnant here. Um, The comments that I have on Cheyenne, one, her friend group is fucking stunning. (laughs) Like, Did you guys notice this? I think Part of what makes Cheyenne a lot different than the other moms is that she is very L.A., right? Like, her family's from L.A., so I don't mean, like, she moved to L.A. and became, like, an influencer. But I do think that she, in general, is prettier than a lot of the other moms and more stylish. And I think that she just, I mean, she was on TV before Teen Mom, of course. And I think that she just, um, like, has prettier friends. All of her friends seem to be in the TV world. Like one of them, I I don't watch the challenge, so I didn't recognize any of them. But one of them I did was talking about Cheyenne, like they had been on the challenge together and that she knew Corey from the challenge. So I think like a lot of her friends are from other TV people. They do an aerial yoga class together. And I was just like, wow, this is a stunning group of women. (laughs) I like the fact that Cheyenne has a lot of friends. I've always liked that about Macy. I, I don't know. I like watching on Teen Mom or in any TV show, like strong female friendships. I I really do like that. I have a lot of really strong female friendships in my life and their female friendships are super, super important to me. And I like to see that reflect back on the screen. And I know that like not everybody has a ton of friends. Some people don't really like having a ton of friends, but I like to watch people that can maintain friendships with people personally. I think that's a good attribute in a person. And it's something that I... Uh, like in myself and I like to see it on the screen and like I said Macy's always had a lot of friends that like long 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 term friends and I like to see her with them I don't know I just think it adds something to the show that feels a lot more authentic when you can tell like this is a real friend group but the big drums is that Corey's going on the challenge and I did like at least at this time there wasn't this whole like should he should he not Cheyenne was just kind of like this is his job By the way, I will say that Corey's segments really lack without Taylor. (laughs) That's not me saying I want Taylor back on, but like, remember when he went to the challenge last time and she was pregnant and like dropping him off at the airport and crying and not having that like really, (laughs) it really takes away from like the suspense of this because you're like, who cares? But Corey's going on the challenge. There's a cute little scene of Ryder saying that she wants to do puzzles with daddy, like challenge puzzles, which I thought was very cute. And yeah, that's it. Like he's going on the challenge. She's possibly going for three months. So, okay. (laughs) I don't, there's just like, there's no stakes for me for that. Cheyenne's like in, in a pandemic, you're going to go on the challenge and leave me like kind of joking, but kind of not. And it's like, well, yeah, he is because 
this is his job and we all know he's going to do it. Also, I have no idea. Has this season even aired yet? This challenge season? By the way, Cheyenne did upload a YouTube video explaining like her whole pregnancy. And apparently she was like with Zach throughout her pregnancy. He was with her in the hospital. He was with her when she brought Ryder home, which made me feel a little more like "Mm." I haven't watched this YouTube video yet. It's on my to do list. But it did definitely make me feel a little, a little unsure of if Zach is making a good decision taking her back. I know I was like pretty easy on this subject last time or two weeks ago where I was like, I totally get it. I get why he was like willing to forgive her. But hearing like his level of involvement and knowing that he is back with her is a little like, I hope it works out for you. Okay, let's talk about Caitlin. So Nova is in school and it's going really well, they say. And she's going to get certified in microblading. I guess in Michigan, you don't need to be an esthetician. Esthetician, is that how you say that? I think I'm like fucking that word up. But you don't have to be one to do microblading. I think in some states you do. Um, And apparently, I think I looked this up a while ago, but... Michigan doesn't have very strong, um, like, tattoo regulations. I I found that surprising. I thought, like, everyone had strong tattoo re- uh, regulations. But I guess all she has to do is, like, go get a little certificate and then she can be a tattoo artist <laughs> doing microblading. Uh, she talks about her mentor, Miriam. <laughs> First of all, I love the name Miriam. I had an Aunt Miriam. Um... <laughs> Miriam is an important figure in Judaism. There's a song that fucking slaps that's called Miriam's song. That's <laughs> Passover. That's like reformed Jewish culture. Like, if you know, you know about Miriam's song. Um, I don't I just really like the name Miriam. But we find out that what she wrote, I wrote production stopped on TR because, oh, I'm like, what the fuck is this note? They talk about the fact that Tierra Rain you know, their clothing line has stopped because their manufacturers have moved to just producing COVID stuff, which I found pretty interesting and it made sense. And the reality is, it's like Tierra Rain, like could never really be actually successful because of the way that they were doing it, which is a shame because I actually have always had a lot of respect for the way that they do it. Do I think that Tyler is some fucking like fashion maven? No. Do I think most of the clothes they sell are ugly? Yes, of course. But I really like the fact that they like work with local local designers like they have it manufactured in Detroit. Like they really were not just doing like a fucking sweatshop labor bullshit fast fashion like Chelsea's doing, you know, just like slapping her name on shit that's from AliExpress. By the way, some of the prints that she's selling for Aubrey says like are straight up being sold on AliExpress, which I knew, I knew, I knew all of that shit came from Alibaba. Like, it's just, it's so obvious what it is. Whatever, if you can make money doing that, I guess, I'm not going to say I guess good for you. But that is what most of, like, the fashion industry in the United States is, right? So, like, I appreciate the fact that Tyler and Caitlyn, Tyler, let's be real, Caitlyn's not really, Caitlyn doesn't really give a fuck about Tierra Rain, which, like, you know, who can blame her? Also, I'm curious about how much Tierra Rain is part of their tax issues, which once again, like, what the fuck is going on with Caitlin and Tyler's tax issues? Please, what is happening? $800,000. I need to know. I need to know. I deserve to know. I want to know. 
what if it was all a mistake and they don't owe any money? I mean, of course, that's not what happened. But wouldn't that be crazy? Who knows? Who knows? But I'm like desperate. I can't fully watch their segments and like judge anything they're doing not knowing how they're handling this tax lien because that's such a major amount of debt. Such, I mean, $800,000. I won't even make that in my life, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, hopefully, I don't, how much money does, how much money does a person make in their lifetime? I don't know, but I would be shocked if I made it. I don't know. I guess I could make $800,000 because I'm going to, I'm like doing, I'm calculating in my head how long I'm going to have to work till, which by the way, do you ever think about the fact that we're like millennials will be working until our, like into our late seventies? <laughs> like we will not be retiring most likely. I know, I mean, already my mom is 61-ish, I think, and she's still working and going to be working for the next couple of years. And my dad is 65 four, five this year. And he says he's going to work until he's 70. So it's already, you know, getting pushed back a lot. And I, that's why I'm like not that worried about going to grad school in my 30s because I feel like I'm going to be working for so many more years. Like I'm 32. So I expect to be working for the next 40 fucking years. That kind of makes me want to die when I think about it like that. Like that if I think too hard about that, like I am immobilized and like cannot move from my bed because it's so crushing. <laughs> Just the idea of that is so crushing to me. Like I haven't even been alive for 40 years yet and I'm going to have to work 40 more. But I, so maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll make $800,000. Who fucking knows? But it's a lot of fucking money and it's going to take me many, 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 many years to make. Now they make a lot more money than I do. They make 10 times, I actually don't know how much they make. They make over $600,000 for this show, I'm pretty sure. Because like when, o a couple seasons ago, they were saying the OGs were making 500000 So it had to have go up. I wouldn't be surprised if they're all making around $600,000 a season now. And Kate and Ty are both making that. So I don't know, maybe they can quickly pay it off in a way that I could never even dream of, making 10, 10 times the amount that I do. But I I just can't like when they're talking about like Caitlin opening a fucking store, I'm like, what about your tax lien? You know, if I could like have one wish, it would be to see all of the tax returns of all of my favorite reality TV stars. <laughs> we should have to publish that. Tax returns should be public record. <laughs> if you're famous, I should be allowed to see your tax return. Like fuck Trump's taxes, right? Like, well, I mean, not because I do want to see his full tax returns, but like truly fuck Trump's tax returns. And instead, let's see Caitlyn and Tyler. Let's see some of the Vanderpump Rules kids, the housewives. I'm dying to know. But Caitlyn is getting certified in microblading. She has no experience. My friend Maria actually microblades and we like she did a conference in Florida, and so I went with her to have a little staycation for myself, and she did the same little drawing things that Kate did, but she's good at art and also, like, does eyelashes and is an esthetician, so it worked for her. I'm not so sure about Kate. By the way, I'm holding an energy drink in my hand because I'm garbage, and I'm hearing it clink, 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 so if you're hearing it clink, 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 I'm sorry. I'm an asshole. I'm not a professional podcaster. What can I say? Although, you know what's crazy? I am a professional podcaster now because I make money on my Patreon. I mean, I've always made a couple dollars on Feathers in My Hair, but I wouldn't have called that a professional podcaster. But, like, I think I'm a professional podcaster now. Like, 
that I do that I do my Patreon. Like I think I am. Is that crazy? Crazy to me. Um, I want to talk about the face shields that they were wearing. Oh, by the way, Kate's like, I want to find my calling. I've tried other things in the past, and they flash back to the vet tech and the little spoon thing that she was doing. Here's the thing. I really feel for Kate here because I think um I'll speak for myself, but as a child of a lot of trauma, and then I mean for me with addiction issues and I know Kate doesn't have addiction issues as far as we know, but has so much trauma. I think it can be really, really hard for us to create goals. Like, I don't, I like never could think about my life in the future and I could like never find goals. And like, I didn't know how to do that. And I still don't really quite know how to do it. I'm kind of like, figuring out as I go along and I'm like okay I really like grad school I speaking of being a professional podcaster I've somehow like turned my fucking love for tv into a money-making venture which is just so insane but I really understand like the idea of not having a purpose and I think for Kate it's probably like even more of a I don't know if I would say issue because she does have money, but I would imagine it's even harder because like for most people in a situation where you don't know how to make goals for yourself, you kind of are forced to eventually because you have to find a job, you have to find a career, you have to make money, like you have to be able to get up every day. And Kate like lucked into this world of making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year just for being herself and actually for being like her worst self, you know, like for the really sad thing of giving a baby up for adoption and then the really sad life of the trauma and depression that she had. And she's like finally on the upswing. And I think that being a reality TV star like really stunts someone's growth. I've talked a lot about that. I think that it really prevents you from like, you have a lot of struggles being a reality TV star, but it's different struggles than you or I would have. And I think that she really doesn't know what she wants to do. Oh, by the way, I saw a blind item. Well, not a blind item. Like I saw somebody tweeted to a, I don't know, sent a DM to one of like the gossip things that said that Kate is pregnant again and that they're going to have a gender reveal in two weeks, which or like three weeks. Like, I don't know, maybe if Kate's pregnant again, I say, okay, like Kate and Tyler are fine as parents, right? Like what I don't really see them as. Like, they don't seem like great, exceptional, crazy good parents, but they seem good as parents. I always see people say, like, they always just leave their kids with April for extended periods of time. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. Like, I think April does watch them. But when my understanding is that April actually doesn't live that close to them. And I mean, Nova was in preschool. I think Veda is going to go to preschool. So like, they're not going to April's every day. Just because they take trips doesn't mean that they aren't watching their kids. And like if Kate and Tyler want to have another baby, like, okay, I mean, pay your tax lien. Sure, sure. Pay your tax lien. But in general, like I, I think out of everybody on this cast that's going to have more kids, like they're pretty low on my care level. Like Chelsea, you know what I mean? Like, do I think it was the best idea for Chelsea to have a third child considering like she seems to have finally found a groove and like she's finally found some stuff she liked and her anxiety is so much better? Like, do I think it makes a ton of sense for her to then throw in a third baby? No, I don't. 
I know it's her fourth kid, but I mean, she has three kids under the age of four. Like, do I think that that made a ton of sense for her? No. But do I think it's fine? Yeah. Because Chelsea and Cole are fine parents. Everything will be fine. And hopefully her postpartum anxiety won't be so bad. And everything will continue going well. I just think that it was probably would have made more sense not to have a baby right then. But okay, that's fine. I think if Macy and Taylor got pregnant again, I'd be like, okay. Um, I, those are like the ones off the top of my head. But like if I found out Leah was pregnant again or Kale was pregnant again or Amber was pregnant again, I'd be like, or Brianna was pregnant again. Who else is on the show? Well, Cheyenne is pregnant again and my care level for that is very low. I just think that like Kate and Ty are fine. And if they have another baby, like, okay. And I know everybody says like they're just having more babies because they're desperate for a boy. Whatever. Like, I don't really care. If you want to keep having kids so that you can get a boy, like, what do I care? (sighs) Okay. Like, they're probably not going to have another boy. They're going to have three girls. (laughs) If she gets pregnant again, like, it's going to be another girl. So that's fine. I don't know. If they are Mazel Tov, do I think it's, like, the best idea in the whole world for them to have another kid? No. Do I think that kid will be loved and happy and fine? Yeah, I do. So, Kate and Tyler, um... Oh, Kate says that she just like really wants to find her place. And I don't know, people shit on her online for this. They're like, oh, she's always changing like things that she wants to do and she can't finish anything. And it's like, okay, but she's trying. And like, I'm not going to shit on someone for like trying to find their path. Just like Chelsea's now trying to find it and she's doing pretty well. And like, she seems a lot happier and a lot more motivated and her life seems better now that she's found this path, even if I think her path is kind of dumb. Like, I think it's good for Kate to be trying out different things. And I hope she does find the thing that really gives her passion outside of parenting and being on the show Teen Mom. I hope that she does find something that motivates her. I think she dreams too big is the issue. And I think that probably goes back to the idea of, like, she never really learned to create goals as a child. I think the issue is, is, like, and I think also, like, her and Tyler having this magic money, right? Like, they magically made all of this money, basically. They essentially hit the lottery. Well, not really, because at least lottery winners don't have to, like, be scrutinized on social media every week. But in general, like, they got so extremely lucky making this money. And I think that this probably goes for a lot of them that I would imagine they probably think in their heads that they like really deserve that money and they're really successful because of that money. And I think that they have a warped view of like what it takes to run a business or what it takes to like be a professional in the field that you want to go into. And Kate like is getting the training and her and Tyler are already like talking about how they're opening up a shop and Kate says she wants to do it because there's no, like, no one in their area doing microblading, which, like, cool, great. But, like, maybe what you should do is find somebody who is a, like, a tattoo artist and bring them in and have them be, like, the head person. And I just, it's like, why do you need to open a business already? Like, why don't you just, like, learn to do microblading for a couple of years and like a good at your craft. I think that's where Teen Mom really fucks with Kate and Tyler's head that they like really think that once they get an idea that like they should just execute it and do it and that it will be successful because they've been successful. But what they're not considering is that their success is like totally by luck, (laughs) like totally by luck. And I think that 
they just have this like false idea of what they should be doing. And I think it's really great that Kate is doing this microblading. But as far as opening a business, it's like, take a breath. Why don't why don't you wait and see for a couple years if you even like doing this? And then if you like doing this and you're good at it and you've been successful, like then consider opening the business. Like you don't need to go rent a shop tomorrow. You know what I mean? You don't need to sink all of the money into this and then figure out that you don't like it. I think that's where like Kate and Tyler fuck up a lot. I really do. Um, the other thing I wanted to comment on, so she does she practices on April doing eyebrows, which was very generous of April to allow herself to be a test subject for that. But April, um, I think she looked okay at the end. I didn't get like a final shot of her face, but they're wearing these face shields that, guys, face shields don't do anything if you don't have a mask on underneath them. Did you notice that the bottom was open with all the face shields? Like that's just where the air is coming out. I can't stand, a lot of reality TV people are wearing these face shields while they film because I think it's obviously hard to film people in masks because the mic doesn't pick them up clearly. Face shields don't do anything. The point of a face shield is to like cover your eyes, um, not to like prevent air from coming out of your nose and your mouth like a mask is. Like a face shield should be worn with a mask. Like I've seen people traveling wearing face shields and a mask and like, yeah, that makes sense. That's what they're for. They're not, they're not a substitute for a mask. <laughs> and I kind of feel like I'm going crazy when I see people wearing them. But I also feel like I'm going crazy most of the time because like, I'm the only asshole here that still is wearing a mask and not going places. That's not true. In Pennsylvania, everywhere, ma- everyone wears masks. Even I was, like, in Walmart yesterday and I didn't even see anybody's um mask down, like, under their nose. Like, everybody here. It's honestly rare that I, like, see somebody with their mask under their nose. Like, everybody here wears masks. And I'm really fucking grateful for that. But um, I feel like so many people are just, like, totally living their normal lives. <laughs> And I'm waiting for that vaccine. Governor Tom Wolf today uh, tweeted, he was like, even if he said vaccine distribution is being controlled by the federal government and supply is like in very, we have a very low supply. So even if you qualify for the vaccine, you probably can't get one. (laughs) Like, like I know that's true. But to see coming from the governor on Twitter, you're like, "Mm, that, that makes me feel great. Like, I feel really confident in this. Also, Philly had all this drama that they put, I don't live in Philly, so I wouldn't be getting a vaccine here anyway. But they put, Philly put in charge of like a lot of vaccines in the city of Philadelphia, this fucking nonprofit that was started by this like young wonderkin who was running this nonprofit as a startup and he's a pen grad and he's fancy and cool. And then that nonprofit like overnight switched to being a for-profit agency and didn't tell anybody. And when the state found out, they like ripped their, you know, they took back their contract because they can't give contracts for COVID vaccines to for-profit agencies, I guess. And all of these people had already had their first shots through that agency and had second shots lined up and they just took all the vaccines from them overnight, essentially. And all of these people who had appointments lost their appointments. People who had, you know, their second uh, booster that they needed to get, like suddenly didn't know where they're supposed to go. It's just such a mess. It's such a mess. But oh, just give me that vaccine. I can't wait. I truly can't wait to get it. My grandma got it. My grandma's fully vaccinated now, I think. But which is good because she had COVID over her sinus. She almost died, but she didn't. She's still kicking 91, 91 and still kicking hard. Um, and apparently, I guess 
they gave her the vaccine. Well, one, we know that antibodies don't last forever, but they were like, I guess it would help with any lingering symptoms they're thinking. So yeah, hopefully, you know, Biden gets some shit together and we get the vaccine and I can travel again. Um, yeah, I, I just hate the face shields. I really hate the face shields. Tyler and Kate do have a little talk about their future and Tyler says like, well, I want to help with the shop and I can do the, Kate's like, you can do the bookkeeping. And I'm like, does Tyler know how to do bookkeeping? (laughs) I mean, it's like not that hard if you get a program that helps you do it, but like, it's also not that easy. Like, does Tyler know how to do that? I mean, based on their taxes, no, he doesn't. Okay, let's talk about Mackenzie McKee, who really didn't have much going on in this episode. Like, I think for Mac McKee, this was really a, like, transition episode. Basically, she gets the job offer to move to Florida, which, by the way, is such a funny recreation because the guy just calls her up and he's like, so, you know, like, we're really interested in pushing things with Body by Mac. So would you be willing to move to Florida? It's like, that's definitely not how this went down. But she decides she's going to move to Florida. She tells Josh and Josh is like, okay, have fun. Like, that's great. I hope you do well there. (laughs) I will say I was really happy with our family's reaction to this. I really, I was kind of surprised. I thought they'd be a lot shittier. And her sister seemed supportive. I mean, they had questions, of course. They're like, well, is your husband staying here? Are you sure this is what you want to do? But I think they did. They were supportive of her. Even her dad cried. Like, he got really sad and, like, cried a little when she announced it. But he said, you know, if your mom is here, what she would say is, go there, get it all out of you, and then come back here. Which I thought was funny and cute. Like, basically, he's giving her his blessing and saying, like, your mom would approve, too. And we know that Mackenzie's family can be kind of a drag with her. So... I was happy for her. Um, It was sad that, like, it was Gannon and Bronx's birthdays. I guess they're very close. So they did a birthday party and Josh wasn't there. And I did feel a little sad for her because, like, it's the first birthday with the boys without her mom. And most of the family can't be there because of COVID stuff. Although I don't think her family cares that much about COVID, to be honest. And then Josh isn't there either. I was like, oh, that's pretty bleak. Like, Mackenzie's... She has a pretty bleak life going on. (laughs) But we do know that Josh goes to Florida with her. So I actually am looking forward to seeing how that plays out. What I'm kind of guessing is Mackenzie made it seem like when she went to Florida, she drove on her own. But I think that Josh like went, I think like the day before Josh was like, okay, I'm going to come. And then he came. And I, I think that's probably how their relationship works. It's so unhealthy. God, the fact that she, like, didn't get that fresh start that she really should have. God, they just need to break up. Okay, so Amber. Amber, Gary, and Christina are getting along well, and she's been living in a rental house for 15 months, which is actually some girl on Reddit was like, somebody had posted a picture of Amber's house, and she's like, I don't think she watches the show anymore because, you know, like many of you probably don't watch the show and you just listen to the recap. I don't think she watches the show anymore, and she was like, hold on, is that Amber's house? Because I walk past that house every day. You can literally see my apartment complex in this picture. (laughs) And she found out that she, like, from her window, you can see Amber's house. Like, they are 50 yards away from each other. She's like, I walk by this house every single day walking my dog. (laughs) That's crazy. Imagine if that happened. Imagine if you just, like, found out that one of the teen mom girls lives across the street from you. 
So that was a funny little happenstance. But her rental's an hour from Gary's house, which put a lot of more question marks on the fact that Gary was going over there every day. Every day he was driving an hour away to see her and then an hour back. That's far. And Gary and Christina have this idea. By the way, also Christina goes, you know, I'm just glad we can be out here. You know, they have to wear masks where Amber is. And I'm like, do you guys not wear masks? (laughs) I think she meant on their property and she was grateful to live on a big property, which like for sure, I definitely can imagine. I definitely, that definitely would be nice. I mean, I'm lucky enough to live in a nice suburban neighborhood where I can take a lot of walks and not have to wear a mask because I don't have to walk close to anybody as opposed to like being in a city. But the way she said it made it sound like they're not wearing masks in the store. But hopefully that's not correct. So they have this idea. (laughs) Gary comes up with it, but Christina's okay with it. That they are going to build a modular home for Amber on their property. I think their property is big. Like, I think it's a bunch of acres. I, I don't know, maybe 15 acres. I'm just guessing. I don't actually know how big it is. But... That they're going to build a modular home, which like Janelle's house is a modular home, so it can be nice. And Amber can live there and she would pay rent. But the idea is like the rent is going towards helping Leah because it's going to Gary and Christina. And he's like, well, I don't want to be around 24-7. Like we're going to have to have privacy. So that's why she'll have her own place. And Christina said, this is the weirdest fucking thing. I have no idea what is going on with these three. Because Christina goes, well, you know, if this happens, there's going to be no funny business. Like, no you sneaking out at night. What? Is, like, is Gary fucking Amber? Like, <laughs> the way she said that, it's like, okay, so you think that it's possible that they could still fuck. I don't know. It was very weird the way that she said that. So Amber comes over, sitting with Leah, Amber, Christina, and Gary are sitting there, and Gary and Christina bring this up. And first of all, I don't really know why they're bringing this up in front of Leah. I think that's a pretty unfair thing to bring up in front of Leah. I think that Leah probably, like, desperately wants Amber to live there. She doesn't get to see Amber very often. And I'm sure, like, thinks if Amber, like, if mom lives here, everything will be so different, but it probably won't be, unfortunately. But they shouldn't have had this conversation in front of Leah, and Amber is like, what? (laughs) Amber's reaction being like, what the fuck are you talking about? Made me feel a lot more sane. Amber's like, no, I need privacy. I can't live here. And Gary's like, no, 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 like, you'll have your own place. Um, I do think a big reason that Amber doesn't want to live closer to them is because she doesn't want to see Leah all the time. I know that sounds awful, but, like, Amber's not interested in being a mom. She's not. She can say she is all she wants, but she's really not. And I think that it would be a lot harder for her to justify not seeing Leah if she not only lived on their, like, lived near them, but lived on their property I don't know if Leah or Amber, like, is conscious of that. Like, I don't know if she would verbalize that even to herself. Um, She definitely wouldn't say it out loud, obviously, to MTV. But, like, I don't even know. I think it's subconscious. Like, I think that on purpose, Amber does not live near Leah because then that justifies her not having to parent. And if she does live there, like, she's going to have to 
answer a lot more questions as to why she's not as involved because I don't think her parenting is going to change. It's also just like a very bizarre idea. It doesn't make any sense. She should not do it. She does not seem to want to do it. And then Amber's like, but I wouldn't have any privacy. And Gary goes, well, you know, I wouldn't want you having every Tom, Dick, and Harry over. And Amber's like, I don't have them over. But once again, it's like, Amber, you're a grown woman. Like, no, you don't need to be like justifying who's coming over to your ex, to the father of your child, your ex-boyfriend. Like, it's just it's so weird. Christina makes a joke that like if they get divorced, like she'll get this half of the land and Amber can have that half of the land. Leah's like, well, I need you to live within walking distance. And Amber's like, well, why don't you give me a couple months to think about this? (laughs) Which made me laugh because that's like a pretty long timeline. I mean, of course, she shouldn't just like impulse move in with them. Well, she couldn't because they're gonna have to build something there. But her being like, let's like, Let me think about it for a couple months. (laughs) Not like just give me some time, but like give me this long period of time to think about it. Amber makes a joke. (laughs) She goes, oh, this is turning into sister wives. (laughs) That really made me laugh. So after this, Christina, we get a scene of Christina visiting Amber at her house. She brings over like pumpkin pie and baked goods. I'm wondering if this is after Thanksgiving. And she's asking how Amber feels about the the offer. And Amber's just like, look, I don't, I don't know. Then she says that her life is in a really good place because of all the growth she's gone through in therapy in the last 14 months. I hope that's true. I really hope that's true. Um, And then her and Christina kind of have a little cry over the fact that like, you know, Leah really needs her mom. Amber thought like she didn't need to be there for Leah and that Leah was better off just knowing Christina. But Christina's like, no, Leah needs her mom. Like it was a sweet moment. And knowing that now, like all of those things that Amber said about Christina on Instagram or Snapchat last week, like watching this it made me sad. I mean, look, they're going to come back from it. Like they always have these little spats, right? Like Amber, this is who Amber is. This is how she acts. But I guess I do see why she felt they were so two-faced because I think she really felt like they were on. Look, I get it. Is calling someone your daughter a little insulting? Yes. Like, I get it. I just feel like it sucks that Amber can't laugh at anything. Like, her seeing that and, like, being sent into such a rage that she, like, wanted to blow up their whole relationship instead of just being like, hey, I didn't really like when you said that. Or just ignoring it and being like, that was kind of lame. She just has no sense of humor about herself at all. I really, like, Amber says she had to get off her pity party bullshit, which I was like, did you? (laughs) Amber's always talking about how much she's grown and how much she's changed. And I'm always sitting here like, when? We didn't see that. Like, how come we haven't seen you change? (laughs) You seem really similar. (laughs) I still can't believe that, like, Demetri ended up being so crazy. I mean, yeah, of course I can, but... I wasn't, he seemed so mild-mannered, but I guess that's just because he didn't speak English well, so he wasn't speaking a lot on camera, but I just did not get that vibe that he was, like, so controlling, so it was kind of surprising that that ended up happening. So they leave it off being, like, we're not really sure what's going to happen. The Redditor says that Amber still lives there. She's pretty sure. I think that she's not moving to Gary's property. I think it would not be a good idea. Well, obviously, they're fighting now, but she oh and also she starts out the episode saying that she lets Andrew and James live in her house 
I still think that this was all part of a court order in which she had to, like, provide a home for James. I'm guessing she had to pay a certain amount of money. And I, like, like I said, my guess would be that the mortgage that she pays on that house is, like, less than what she would be paying if she had to rent them a place to live. So she just lets them live there. Um, I don't really know why she doesn't buy her own house, like another house. I guess maybe she thinks she's still going to get back in that house. We'll see. Also, there hasn't been any update um, on the court case. I don't know if I talked about the fact that Andrew replied to her like contempt order that she's missed like a shit ton of visits, including ones where she said she couldn't come because of bad weather and it was raining. Ugh, Amber doesn't give a fuck. She really doesn't give a fuck about that kid. I I just hope she doesn't have any more kids. Okay, let's get to Macy. So it starts out with Macy FaceTiming with Tyler for advice, which was like, okay. <laughs> I hate when they do this. I'm sorry. Like, come on. What advice is I understand that Tyler like has a dad like Butch has a dad like Butch has Butch as a dad. And that is kind of similar to Ryan. But I, I don't, like, what advice does he have to offer? She's like, he wants to go to therapy. And Tyler's like, that's so amazing that he wants that. <laughs> that's, he doesn't have any advice to offer. Like, he, he was only a kid in that situation. Like, he doesn't know how to parent a kid in that situation. So here's the thing. Macy's still saying, like, the only way that Bentley is going to agree to see Ryan is if he goes to counseling first. And so we get a scene after the Macy and Tyler FaceTiming thing. We go over to Ryan and Mackenzie's house. So this is where Ryan is a fucking asshole. And it's a true fuck you to Ryan. A true fuck you to Ryan. I think Ryan, it doesn't matter if he's on drugs or not. He's a fucking asshole, but he's clearly still on drugs. Like, he's clearly high in these episodes. He's he's wearing this fucking Trump hat just to be a dick. Like, that's, like, when I see that, I'm, like, you're just being inflammatory. Like, that's what you're doing. You're doing this on purpose to be inflammatory, and that's why it's so extra gross. But basically, Ryan and Mac are talking, and he's, like, Bentley came to mom and said he wants to go to counseling. And Ryan's, like, and that's fine if that's how he feels. But I don't think he really feels that way. I think it's all Macy. And then Mackenzie, who I noticed is staying kind of mum on this like she really hasn't had a lot to say this season have you guys noticed this she just kind of will sit there and be like yeah that really sucks like this is crazy she did in this episode say that um you know my mind I don't know what to say my mind has been blown beyond all measure like that that's kind of all she's saying she's not saying Macy's name she's not saying she agrees or she doesn't agree I found that kind of interesting that she seemed like not totally willing to engage in shit talk. I think that she has learned her lesson on that to shit talk on camera. So Ryan says, this is so crazy. He goes, I'm tired of having made up lies and bullshit about me. And Mackenzie's like, I I don't even know what to say. And that's when Ryan says, I feel sorry for Bentley that he has to grow up like that and grow up with that type of person raising him. What a fucking dick. What does that even mean? Like, it, uh, is Macy perfect? No. But Ryan, you should be grateful that he has a loving mom and a loving stepdad so that you don't have to do boo. 
The reason that you get to live over here with Mackenzie and live your little life and parent your little kids is because Macy is doing the hard lifting, the heavy lifting with Bentley every single day, day in and day out, 24 hours a day. Macy's the one that's raising him. If you feel so bad about it, why don't you get off your fucking ass, go to court? Because remember, Bentley's what, turning 13 this year? Somebody on Reddit posted, which is, guys, we're fucking old. Bentley's turning 13. Like, truly, we're all one foot in the grave if Bentley's turning 13. But, you know, he, like, he's so concerned, but he doesn't have a fucking court order, has never had a court order, has never tried to, like, have a regular custody schedule. His parents have. So for him to sit there and be like, I'm just, you know, I'm just sad he has to grow up like that. Okay, so if you're genuinely sad that Bentley has to grow up like that, like, go do something about it. You're his father. Are you not his father? Because you are his father. And you can clearly go do something about it. You can take your little butt to court and do something about it. Speaking of court, I forgot to mention this. Brianna and Devon are still fighting all of the time all online, which is like truly they both need to log off, like really, really need to log off. Although Devon has been blowing up Bree so much on Instagram, I can kind of understand why she posted this because he's always talking about how much he has Nova. And I guess he just forgot to pick her up at gymnastics one night and the gymnastics place was closing and called Bree and was like, somebody has to come get Nova. (sighs) Devon's mom gave an interview to The Sun. (laughs) Devon's mom, yeah, who like refuses to come on camera gave an interview to The Sun and claimed that she helped raise Nova? What the fuck? I would lose my mind if I was Bray. I would fucking lose it. I'd be so mad because, like, even Devon has admitted that his mom was not there. Like, she did not see that child until that child was, like, eight years old. She has a lot of fucking nerve to say that. Also, Devon is always coming at Bray for not having a father, and it's like, babe, you didn't see your kid for like five years. You're all, you're you're insulting your daughter when you say that. Ugh, he sucks so much. Devon really fucking sucks. He really sucks. I mean, Bree shouldn't be airing this all on social media for sure. Bree's really, really immature. But when it comes down to it, one of them is raising a child and the other one is not, you know? And if Devon really wanted to raise that child, he would take his little butt down to the court and do it. He would do that. Okay, so Macy is like really adamant that Bentley needs to go to therapy with Ryan. Now, do I think that this was Macy's idea? Yeah, I do. Sure, I do. Do I think that Bentley wants it? Probably yes. I don't think that he's saying it just to like make Macy feel better. I like I really don't think that's true. I think that Bentley um, wants to have a better relationship with his dad. I'm not sure if Bentley totally understands what therapy is. He is pretty young. You know, I think he's 11 or 12 in these episodes. I'm not totally sure when they were filmed. We haven't had a Bentley birthday episode yet. You know, we always have a Bentley birthday episode, so he might still be 11 in these. So I'm not totally sure, like, if Bentley wants to go to therapy because he thinks he needs to work on things with his dad, or if he maybe thinks, like, going to therapy will fix his dad. I'd be curious to hear why Bentley wants to go to therapy from his own mouth. Um, I don't necessarily think he can explain that, but... I think it's probably a good idea for them to go to therapy together. I think that 
he does want to go to therapy with them. And I think that just because it may have been Macy's idea doesn't mean it's a bad one or that it shouldn't happen. And if Bentley is saying, yeah, I want that, then Bentley saying, yeah, I want that. It doesn't really matter if Macy put it in his head. Like, she's his mom. Like, that's her role. Her job as his mom is to, like, give him suggestions on how to live his life. And if one of them happens to be that that Bentley and Ryan should go to therapy together, they should. Once again, though, like, what's going to come from that? I think that Bentley should be going to therapy for sure. I'm not really sure what Macy's goal is or what she thinks is going to come about having Bentley go to therapy with Ryan. To me, what seems important is that Ryan passes drug tests. And if he can't pass a drug test, then he can only see Bentley, like, supervised by Jen and Larry. Like, I I don't know. Because I'm not somebody that believes that if you can't pass a drug test, you should never be able to see your kid because I don't think that helps anybody. But Ryan doesn't want to parent, right? Like, Ryan's never wanted to parent, not since the day Bentley was born. I'm sure he doesn't do shit with those little kids, although I would imagine it's quite hard for Bentley knowing that his stepbrother and uh, sister and brother live with Ryan and see Ryan every day and Ryan's involved with them. I mean, I don't think he's actively parenting them, (laughs) but he lives with them and sees them a lot of the time, I would guess, and I would imagine that's quite hard for Bentley. But I guess I'm not sure, like, what they want the outcome to be because Ryan like agreeing to go to counseling won't mean that he like wants to suddenly be a parent. <laughs> I don't know. Like what what I would like to hear Macy explain like what she thinks the outcome would be from Ryan and Bentley going to counseling together. I kind of feel like if 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 we're making wishes, right? <laughs> for making wishes on what would happen, which is basically what Macy's doing right now. This would be what I would want. Ryan can pass drug tests. Ryan and Bentley spend an afternoon together here, an afternoon together there. They slowly start to spend more time together. He's able to go over there for Sunday to play with his little siblings. And then they're able to build a relationship with sober Ryan. Because, like, that's the only way they're going to have a relationship. And I guess maybe, like, I feel like what would work better would be for that to happen and then they start to go to counseling um, once they've been able to like develop a new bond and then they can talk about like what happened, how we're feeling, how do we move forward, how do I feel now versus how did I feel then. Um, As far as like going to therapy together, I think that that is what should be happening. I think obviously Bentley should probably be going to therapy on his own just like his therapist ends up recommending. I think that uh, he probably has a lot of really sad issues having to do with Ryan, which really sucks. And I really feel, really feel for a little Bentley. Poor little Benny. Like, he is such a sweet little kid. I have a lot of, it makes me really sad. Like, Bentley's a 12-year-old boy. And, like, the fact that he gets on camera and is like, I want to go to therapy with my dad. Like, you know he has to feel like shit for that. 12-year-old boys are not open and honest with their feelings, most of them. And, like, Macy even says, like, Bentley's not very, like, forward with his feelings. So for him to, like, be willing to speak on it on camera, to me, shows that he's probably really upset about it, which really, really just gets my heart. But, like, as long as Ryan is 
Well, there's two faults. Because I was going to say, as long as Ryan is using, he's not going to want to be an active dad. But like, I don't think Ryan wants to be a dad to Bentley. I, I think that's the hard truth that they're all going to have to accept. And I think that's really fucking sad. But it's the truth and it has been the truth. And, you know, we can say a million things about Chelsea, but I think Chelsea has accepted that Adam doesn't want to be a parent. I think it hurts her and it's sad and she wouldn't like that to be the case. But I think Chelsea knows that Adam is not interested in parenting Aubrey and he's never going to be interested in parenting Aubrey and it's never going to change. And I think Macy like still holds out this little nugget of hope that Ryan will get sober and then like magically want a parent. And I do think there are cases where somebody can be in inactive addiction and like totally disconnected from their kids, no interest in being a parent, and then they get sober and they are. But I I think what happens more often is that a person who's an addict wants to be around their kid but can't be because one, they're not allowed to, or two, like their lifestyle, unfortunately, doesn't permit them to spend a lot of time with their child. And by that, I mean, they have to spend their whole day like getting money and getting drugs. And they maybe don't live near their kid. But at least like, in their heart, they want to be with him. Like, it's causing the same amount of damage. (laughs) But like, in their heart, they want to be with them. So when they get sober, it's, they're able to parent. Or able to try and parent because they have that desire. But I don't really think the reason that Ryan doesn't want to parent Bentley is because of drugs. I think he's just a fucking dickhead. And he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to parent Bentley. And I kind of thought Macy accepted that, but I guess she hasn't. Jen and Larry clearly have not accepted that. They've never accepted that. They've never, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I just like... What's going to happen if they go to therapy magically? Like, Ryan's going to be like, I'm so sorry. I love you so much. I want to be your dad. Because I don't really think that's ever going to happen. It's not going to happen with the little kids. Ryan's just a dick who doesn't want to be a dad, but is a dad to a lot of kids. (sighs) I'm glad. Basically, Macy calls and makes him an appointment. And the therapist is like, here's the thing. I need to see just Bentley. I don't feel comfortable bringing Bentley and Ryan in. And I was like, thank God. I was really glad when the therapist said that. I thought that was a really good sign that the therapist wanted to talk to Bentley first by himself. I definitely think that like it's it's really hard to be successful in a family counseling, whether that be relationship or like parent-child counseling when you're not like doing your own therapy. I think that's very difficult because usually the issues that are causing strains in relationships need to be worked out in therapy because they're your own issues. And then you come together in the counseling, the like the, the marriage counseling or whatever to work on the issues together. Like, I just think most people need their own individual encou- individual counseling if they're in a situation where they feel like they need family or relationship counseling. Because there's a lot of shit in ourselves, right, that we have to work on with ourselves. And that's why they usually say, like, if you're in marriage counseling, you should have your own therapist. We're also doing the work there because that's not, like, really what a marriage therapist is for. And I think that's also not what, like, a family therapist is for. Like, well, this guy's obviously a family therapist. But what I mean by this is, like, I would bet that this therapist is aware that, like, Bentley has probably a lot of issues in relation to his dad emotionally neglecting him his entire life and 
what's important is like giving Bentley coping skills for that and giving Bentley a healthy outlet and like letting him have a space to work on that um, where he's like a judgment-free space and having like a trusted adult who he can talk to about it that it's not his mom or his grandparents or his stepdad. And I don't think that like, I don't think that you accomplish those things if Ryan is in the room. And I think that's what the therapist is suggesting. So, you know, they, that's what they decide to do. Bentley says he's okay with going, even though Ryan won't be there. I really like, I just am really impressed with Bentley in this whole episode. I, I think, like I said, a 12 year old boy that's willing and wants to go to therapy really just makes my heart ache because things have to be really fucking sad. Really sad for him, even if Macy put it in his head. And, you know, Macy has this conversation with Bentley that is basically like, well, what are you going to do if your dad doesn't agree to come to therapy? And Bentley's like, well, you know, I think my, I don't have my hopes up. And Macy's like, I, yeah, I, I know. Um, but like, it's still going to hurt you if he doesn't. And Bentley's like, uh, yeah. And I think that's another reason that like, it's important that Bentley's going to therapy on his own because like, like I said, I'm not so sure Bentley knows what therapy is. And I think that he would really, like, it will really help him to be with a therapist and have a therapist, like, talk him through, like, this is what happens if your dad doesn't come. This is what happens if your dad does come. These are the type of outcomes we want. What do you want to happen? And, like, a trained professional that knows how to do that with him. Okay, so Bentley goes to therapy. And Macy's like, just be honest with the therapist about it. Just you know, be honest with the therapist. And so Bentley goes in. I was glad to see the cameras did not follow him. We'll get to that follow-up call in a minute. Okay, so now we go to Jen and Larry's house. (sighs) So Larry is on one in this conversation, I would say. I don't mean like drunk, but he's like keyed up, if you know what I mean. Like he is ready to talk about this, ready to give their point of view. Bentley basically says, you know, at the end of the day, we still want our relationship with Bentley to be normal. Fair. Totally sure. They have not seen Bentley in a month. And Larry agrees. I want us all to go to, I want us to get together. I want us to go to counseling. I actually really think, fuck Ryan, get Macy, Larry, and Jen and well, first get Macy, Larry, and Jen in a room together for counseling, then bring Bentley in. Like, they're the people that need to go to counseling together because they're the people that she co-parents with. I think that would be some really successful family therapy if they could get all of them in a therapy session together. So this is when Jen, you know, oh, so Larry thinks that Ryan needs to be honest and to try and help Bentley understand about what's going on. I also agree with that. Um, I think that Ryan lies. I also think like, what's wrong? You know, like Ryan and Bentley don't talk. I think that's the other thing. Like, I think when they're together, they talk about sports or some shit like that. Like, I don't think Bentley and Ryan have a lot of conversation. So Ryan, like, getting honest with Bentley, making him understand, like, I'm not sure, like, how needed that is. I don't know. So this is when Jen declares that Ryan wants to go to counseling with Bentley. And Larry's like, oh, absolutely. And Jen says, I think he feels defeated. Okay. Here's where we get into the part where a lot of people are upset. Ryan says, I understand, Ryan says, Larry says, I understand Ryan. I wrote this down word by word for 
by the way. I understand Ryan more now than I ever understood him before about how important it is to focus on what he has and to just get away from those triggers. We've been to the counseling and the triggers across and the triggers are across the river and the biggest triggers are Macy. And if Ryan is going to have a healthy life like he needs to, he needs to separate himself from Macy. And I understand now that we were putting a lot of pressure on Ryan. Jen starts crying and says, I think we pushed him and we set off those triggers not knowing it. And Larry says, that's exactly right. We did. And they talk about how they wouldn't listen to Ryan saying that he couldn't do it. And they just like were trying to bulldoze him into being a parent and talking with Macy. And okay, let's talk about this. So one, I personally think that when they say they went to counseling, they mean when he was in treatment. They did a family counseling session. I do not believe that there is active family counseling going on. Maybe they did a couple of them, but I don't think they're like actively in counseling. Um, I think what's happening here, unfortunately and sadly, is that Ryan has completely manipulated his parents into believing that it's their fault that he's using. And I think that's really hard for people to understand. Um, I think that they hear what Jen and Larry are saying in here, and it's not appropriate for them to blame Macy. Like, they did not word this correctly. It's not appropriate what they're saying. They should not have said that on camera. It's really fucked up. That's the woman that is raising your grandchild every day. Like, for them to phrase it that way is really, it's incorrect. And I think that the Edwards would really benefit from from actually going to counseling so that the therapist could walk them through why this is fucking bullshit. Here's what I think is going on. As I've said on this podcast before, I do not think MTV is doing a good enough job um, fully expressing how dangerous Ryan's situation is. I mean, they're even beating around the bush that he's still using, right? Like, nobody's saying it, but he is. I think that they are not making it clear enough to the audience that Ryan is going to die. And I know that sounds traumatic, and I'm sure a bunch of people listening to this roll their fucking eyes when they hear that. But if Ryan does not get sober, he is either going to die or he's going to end up in prison. I mean, there's a saying in NA, jails, institutions, and death. Like, those are your only outcomes when you are an active IV heroin user. Like, I'm not exaggerating here he's going to die. He, that That is his fate. If he is not able to get sober, he is going to die. And I don't think they're doing a good enough job showing that. I think that Jen and Larry are fucking terrified. I think they are terrified that he's going to die. And I also think Ryan is a real manipulative asshole. So I think what happens is anytime Jen and Larry bring up Macy, Ryan shuts down Ryan says, we're not, you're triggering me. And if you keep talking about this, I'm going to go and use. Basically, he's like saying to Jen and Larry, like, if you bring this up, I'm going to go use. And if I die, it's your fault. And I'm not sure people that don't have any experience with this. And I think even people who do, it's so easy to get jaded in this situation. I totally understand it. And I've had a lot of people actually message me and be like, hey, my sibling is an addict. I appreciate the way that you talk about the Edwards because I'm really fucking hard on my parents and it's really hard for me to have empathy for them because I'm really, really upset at my brother and I'm upset how my brother has just like torn our family apart. But you're right. Like they just love my brother and they don't know what to do. And it doesn't make it any easier for me, but you're right. I need to have more empathy for them. And so like I think 
what I'm saying is like, even when you're in this situation, it's extremely hard. I think it's easy for me to have this clarity because I'm far removed from it, right? And I've like seen it from all different angles. I think that's why it's like easy for me to discuss this. But I think it's really hard, one, if you've never dealt with addiction. And two, honestly, if you're in the throes of like someone in your family, like tearing your family apart uh, with their addiction, because that's what happens, right? Uh, Ryan is terrorizing his family with his addiction. They are all addicted to Ryan. They are all addicted to Ryan's drugs. I think Jen and Larry are genuinely terrified that Ryan's going to die and they don't know what to do. So when they mentioned Macy and he basically is like, if you say that, I'm going to go die, uh, they stop saying it. And they, I think that they feel bad about things that they've said on camera. Um, I think that they brought this up on camera because they wanted to make Ryan feel better. I think that they don't really have an understanding of what a trigger is. I personally am not really a person who really believes in triggers like that. Um, I think that Macy does make Ryan feel shame, right? But I don't think it's related to Macy. I think it's related to Bentley. I like how, unless Ryan's a sociopath and has no feelings, which I don't think is true because that's pretty rare. I think that, of course, when Macy comes up and when the conversation of Bentley comes up, he is feeling like a lot of shame over it and he does want to shut down over it, but that doesn't mean he's going to go use. Here's what I think a therapist told them. This is my best guess. A therapist told them, you need to stop pressuring Ryan into being a dad because that's not how you're going to make him do it. You harping on Ryan all of the time, you need to do it for Bentley. You need to do it for Bentley. You need to be there for Bentley. You're being a piece of shit. That's not actually producing any results. So what you should do is like focus on the positives that he has, like the way, the good things that he's doing and like stop trying to like force this to happen because it's not going to happen. It's just driving you guys insane. But I think what, I don't think they heard that. <laughs> I think wires have been crossed and this is, I don't know if I'm being that clear, but I feel like I'm not. I'm like listening to myself talk and I feel like I'm not getting the point that I want to get across, but I just want everybody to remember like these are two people that are terrified that their son is going to die and every action they do is based on the fact that they are scared he is going to die. So that's part one. Also, I think that, um, I think a lot of this scene was Larry peacocking. I think Jen is really depressed. Jen doesn't seem right, right? Like Jen is really sad all the time. I mean, who can blame her? I think that Jen is really depressed. And so her only like outlet is probably the little grandbabies. I think she's probably with the grandbabies a lot. And I think that Larry like sees that and that brings her a lot of joy. So he's kind of like peacocking around, like sucking up to Ryan via MTV cameras so that like they don't lose access to the kids. I do think there's like a point going on there. When it comes to enabling, I'm not so sure I believe in enabling. <laughs> now, bear with me. I kind of think it's bullshit to accuse people of enabling because the reality is a drug addict is going to use whether you enable them or not. It's just the truth. I have seen so many people die who had not talked to their parents in years, you know, who were not being enabled by anybody. And guess what? They still fucking died. They still use. Do you have many people like end up in rehab because their parents are like, we're done, we're done, we're done. And then they 
leave and go get high again. Like, I don't think that and enabling as we talk about it in common language is totally real. I think the issue is, is that that puts the onus on the family member and takes away from the addict because the problems are a result of the addict. Now, what I do think is a problem is that when you are doing the activities that we look at enabling, what you're really doing is hurting yourself and you're allowing your life to be terrorized by somebody else and their addiction. Like that to me is the biggest issue. And I don't think we talk about it like that. And yeah, it is easy to be like, they're enabling Ryan, they're enabling Ryan. And if they, if they said that Ryan, if they didn't put up with Ryan's bullshit, he would stop. But like, I don't think that's true. And I've seen a lot of people be like, you're going to enable, they're going to enable him to death. And I just think that's fucked up. If Ryan dies, it's because he's a heroin addict that won't get sober. That's it. Like, that's the reason that he's going to die. It's not because Jen and Larry are like feeding into his bullshit. What's happening as a result of Jen and Larry feeding into his bullshit is that they are in such an unhealthy place. They are unhappy. I guarantee you. I know they're like coming on here being like things are great with us and Ryan, but they're not. They're letting their lives be controlled by Ryan and his addiction. They're hurting themselves. And instead of us, like, I think instead of being like, you need to stop enabling him because you're you're going to kill him. Because, you know, I, as I've shared on this podcast a million times, I said that to my friend's mom once and she said, this is my daughter. It is not your right to tell me anything that I have to do. I don't believe in that and I'm not going to do that. And I, I said, okay. Um, I think what we need to look at is like, how is this affecting your life and how do you make your life more manageable and how do you make it so that your life is not terrorized by an addict? And that's really more Al-Anon thinking. Um, they need to be centering themselves and not Ryan. And that's my problem with like all of this talk about the Edwards and the enabling and how they're so awful for enabling Ryan and they're they're going to be at fault for Ryan dying and that like he's still sick because his family lets him be sick and blah, 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 blah. I don't think that's true. I think what's happening is that Ryan, or excuse me, Mackenzie, the children, and Jen and Larry are all just fucking miserable and live a really fucking miserable life and a really miserable existence as a result of this. And I'm not saying that like cutting off Ryan would make them less miserable, but I think it would allow them to live lives that don't have to center around Ryan and his addiction at all times. I think that's probably what's going on now. Um, I also think that, like, they need to come into reality. They need to not say this shit on camera, blaming Macy. I think that if they had had this conversation and they said this, look, us forcing Ryan to parent Bentley, it's not fucking working. It makes him upset. We get into a fight. He goes out and uses. It's not worth it. We're not going to do that anymore. We understand that, like, that is not a productive way for us to spend our time. So instead of that, we're going to focus on his marriage and his children that he is able to see. And we're going to encourage him to go to therapy with Bentley. But beyond that, we can't do anything. And we understand that not doing any, like, we understand that our actions are not going to suddenly make him a parent. And honestly, we wasted a lot of fucking time doing that. And I really regret spending so many years shoving it down his throat and trying to force him to parent because it didn't work. And all it did was cause conflict between us. And I don't want there to be conflict between them. I think that's what they should have said. I think bringing up Macy was despicable. 
I think it was really inappropriate. I think it was a misuse of the word trigger. I think it's a weaponization of Ryan's addiction against Macy, which I don't think is fair. But I think that they are buying into Ryan's bullshit. I think that's like what needs to stop happening. And I just don't really like the word enabling. What I want to see from Jen and Larry is to stop buying into Ryan's bullshit. And to be like, Ryan, that's not, it's not Macy's fault that this is going on. But okay, we don't need to talk about this anymore. You know what? Instead of being like, okay, we don't need to talk about this because it's Macy's fault. Like that's, it's obviously not that subtle of a difference, but like they can have the same outcome without like buying into his delusions. But I want to emphasize like, this is not why Ryan gets high. Like he does, like Matt could kick him out. Jen and Larry could kick him out. And guess what? Like, he'll go find a place to use. And then what? He'll be living on the street getting high? Okay. That's what's going to happen. That Because that's what happens every fucking day. People have this, and this all goes back to the rock bottom of it all, right? Where, like, if Mac, Jen, and Larry just stop enabling Ryan, like, he's going to hit rock bottom and he's going to get sober. Um, okay, but what if he dies before he that happens? Because that happens a lot. People die using. And what if he uh, hits a really bad bottom, but he still doesn't want to get sober? Then what? It, it, this I'm not trying to defend Jen and Larry because I don't think they're acting correctly. I just, like, I really don't like the way they spoke about Macy. And something else Larry said that I'm going to get to in a second. I really don't like the way they spoke about Macy. I really don't like it. I It really upsets me how much Jen is internalizing his addiction. Hearing Jen crying being like, and we forced it for so long. Like what Jen is saying is like, Ryan has told me it's my fault that he uses and I believe him. And that's fucking sad. That is really fucking sad. That really is truly upsetting that she feels that way and she believes it. And this is another reason they not they don't they need to stop feeding into Ryan's bullshit because when they do that they're they're hurting themselves. Uh, Jen needs to be at her own therapist and probably at Al-Anon meetings where she can learn like I have no control over his behavior. It's actually not my fault that he's an addict. The fact that he continues to use is not my fault. I was not perfect, but that doesn't mean that I have to take on the blame for him being a heroin addict. Of course, that's easier said than done because that's his mother and she loves him and they've always been too permissive of him and always been spoiling him. And I think that they could take a stand now and stop spoiling him and stop being so permissive is bullshit. But I just don't think that's why he still gets high. I don't. And I really, I can't imagine that Jen and Larry are very happy in their lives. I can't. I also think Larry drinks a lot and we've always known Larry drinks a lot. Um, I think that Right now, I would bet that Jen and Larry have found kind of um, like a false stability with Ryan. And so they're like, oh, this is it. It must be Macy's fault because they're not willing to like look into any more of their behavior and how their behavior is actually like causing, like feeding into this tornado that is their family. And so they're like, yep, this is Macy's fault. But the reality is, is like they're going to have another fault with Ryan. They are because he's going to get high. He's going to do something. He's going to get arrested. He's going to get people in trouble. I saw he's being sued for a car accident, but I didn't click through and read. But I'm not sure that that would be the thing. But he, you know, like some bullshit's going to happen again because he's a drug addict that uses drugs and bullshit always happens. And they're going to be right back to where they started. And they'll, because it's not Macy's fault and Macy has nothing to do with this. And I think that's, that's the issue. 
is that they are just setting themselves up to like constantly be in this cycle. And the only place that they are is a place where they are sure that they're responsible for Ryan's drug addiction. And that's fucking sad. That is really fucking sad. And watching Jen cry makes me fucking sad. And I know a lot of people don't have empathy for her. And a lot of people think they're assholes. And they watch this scene and they were like, fuck Jen and Larry. I watch this scene and I see two people who know their kid is going to die. Who They have a son with a terminal illness. And that they are so unhealthy and so uneducated about it and have so little boundaries with him that they believe that this is a way to keep him alive. And that's really fucking sad. And the reality is, is like when you have somebody in your life that is an IV heroin user, um, I mean a drug addict of any kind, but I'm speaking about IV heroin users because the death rate is just so high, right? So I think when you have somebody in your life that does this, like, you have to come to a place of understanding that you don't have any control over what they do. And all you control is your behavior and your actions. But you need to get there by help of a therapist or Al-Anon or self-help books or somebody that's not Ryan. (laughs) The issue is right now, they're just trusting Ryan and taking Ryan's word for it, that it's Macy's fault and being like, okay, great, let's all agree on this so we don't have to fight anymore. Because I think that they are aware that, like, every time they brought up Macy Bentley, it was a huge fight. But the problem is not Macy. The problem is Ryan. <laughs> so when when I say they need to stop enabling Ryan, what I mean by that is they need to stop feeding into Ryan's bullshit. And they need to set up some boundaries with Ryan. And they need to let Macy and Bentley know that they support them and that Bentley can come over here and Ryan's not going to be here. And we understand why Bentley can't be around Ryan. And we get it. And we're willing to go to therapy with you. But they're not there. They're very sick. They're very sick. I mean, in Al-Anon, they talk about being sick with codependency. They consider that, as far as I understand, like an illness. Like you are ill with codependency. You're addicted to the person with the addiction. And I really think that that is what's going on here. And I don't think that that's why Ryan's getting high. And I don't think it's going to be the reason that he keeps getting high. And I don't think it's going to be the reason that he dies if he does. I think Jen and Larry are two very miserable people really making their lives a lot worse because they don't know how to make it better. And they, I also think that like, they don't necessarily want to make it better because I think that um, where they are now means that they can see Ryan all the time. They can spend time with the kids and they can pretend like everything's okay. And that's an easy place to be. And I think that when they do start doing the work, if they hopefully start to do it, they're gonna realize that like more boundaries have to come have to come, have to come forward. I don't, they have to establish more boundaries. And that doesn't mean they have to stop seeing Ryan. That doesn't mean they have to stop letting Ryan in their house. Like, that's not what that means. But what it means is like, they're going to have to stop allowing Ryan saying and doing whatever he wants. And Ryan's going to push back against that and not want to see them. And I think that they just like, don't know how to deal with that. And that's really sad. So, um, Larry does say this one thing that's fucking crazy. (laughs) He says that he said to Bentley, this is what Larry says he said to Bentley. He said, I love you more than anything in this world. You're my first grandson and I'll do anything for you. If you think that I'm ever going to give up on my only son, then you're sadly mistaken. What? (laughs) You said what to an 11 year old? (laughs) What? What the fuck? 
that's fucked up. Why the fuck would you say that to a child? What the fuck, dude? Why why would you say that to Bentley and make Bentley feel like it's his fault that if you don't talk to his dad anymore? That Larry and Jen are so fucked up and so desperately need therapy. Oh my god, they desperately need it. <sighs> okay, so the episode ends with Macy talking on speakerphone with Bentley's um, therapist, which I didn't love. I was glad the therapy was not aired on TV, and I think that Macy and uh, the therapist could have had this phone call totally off camera, and Macy could have recounted it for Taylor in a way that wasn't so violating of Bentley's privacy. I didn't think this was appropriate. Um, My understanding is that it is appropriate for the therapist to talk to the parent and they let the child know that that's what's going to happen because he's still pretty young. But I just did not like that this was filmed at all. I really, I did not like it. It made me uncomfortable. I, I don't think that's fair to Bentley that Macy talking to his therapist is on TV. But basically, he's like, Bentley has a lot of issues. Well, he didn't say issues, but like Bentley's really sad about his bio dad. I don't think he's ready to meet with Ryan yet, which I was really glad to hear. And he says, you know, my main concern is that Bentley really feels neglected by his father and he doesn't know what to do about it. And obviously, he keeps saying his biological father, which I was found interesting because I wonder if in therapy, uh, Bentley was talking about Taylor like as his dad. I'd be curious about how Bentley talks about Taylor to other people. I would like, I would like to somehow hear that. I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, well, my dad, like my dad, Taylor, and then like my dad, Ryan. I think that's probably how he speaks about them. So basically the therapist just is like, Bentley's being neglected by his father and his emotional needs aren't being met. And I want to keep seeing him so that we can work through this, which, you know, is great. I'm glad that Bentley's in therapy. I'm glad that he talked to the therapist and he liked the therapist. And Macy hangs up the phone and starts crying. And she's like, I never wanted to put neglect and Bentley in the same sentence, which really was sad. (laughs) It was really sad. It really, it really made me feel for her. But at the same time, it's like, well, what did you think was happening for the last 11 years? (laughs) Like, we all knew this. Did you not know this? Hi, God, Ryan is a emotional terrorist who is pulling down his entire family. I think it's great that Macy is putting up these boundaries and not allowing Bentley to be part of this bullshit. I think that if Jen and Larry want to have a better relationship with Bentley, they there are a million things that they can do. I think Jen and Larry, I can't imagine how bad their marriage is right now. Here's another thing. Almost everybody who is has like a child of an addict in their um enabling them or whatever we want to call it, like their marriage is terrible. Awful. Because always it's one parent wanting to do one thing and another parent wanting to do another thing. Just the stress of it is so hard for a relationship. And I can't imagine Jen and Larry's is uh, in a great place right now. I, I just really, really hope that they realize that it doesn't have to be this excruciating. And it's still going to be really hard because their child is an IV heroin user. And that's not going to change until Ryan decides it's going to change. And, you know, they can't fix that, but they can make things a little less shitty. And I hope that they do decide to make things a little less shitty. As far as Mackenzie... I don't fucking know what that girl is doing. When it comes to Mackenzie, like, is Mackenzie enabling Ryan? Yeah, just the way that 
Jen and Larry are enabling. I don't know if I love the word enabling here, but like, does Mackenzie need to break up with Ryan? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she does. I mean, mostly for the safety of her children, right? If Ryan's actively using, he shouldn't be around those kids. Uh, is he like left alone with the kids? Is Does he drive with the kids in the car? I, I don't think that like you need to leave a partner because they're an active addiction, but I think that it is almost impossible to be a happy person and be a fulfilled person and love yourself if you're in a relationship with an addict. And I say that with full experience, um, your entire life becomes them and your entire relationship is about the addiction. And I, I don't know. I don't really see Mac getting there. I think Mac is, I mean, I think Mac is like, well, what is she going to do? You know, is she going to leave him? I, I don't think so. I'd be pretty surprised if Mackenzie left him. I hope she does. And once again, it's not so that, like, Ryan will get better. And, like, if Mackenzie leaves Ryan, like, he's going to be better. Like, no, that's not how it's going to work. But Mackenzie will be better. Those kids will be better. <laughs> you know, like, things will be better. Ryan won't be better. I mean, maybe, maybe he'll decide that when that happens that he's ready to go to treatment and do the work and maybe get on Suboxone or Methadone or just smoke weed and use that to manage it or figure some shit out. Maybe, maybe, but what we can guarantee is that things would be better for Mackenzie. You know, that's what we can guarantee. And it's the same with Jen and Larry, like cutting off Ryan has even creating these boundaries has no guarantee that anything is going to change as far as Ryan's life and Ryan's behavior, but it will be better for them. So yeah, I hope that um, if you watch this just fucking hating Jen and Larry, you could maybe come away with a little more empathy towards them. If you don't, I get it. This is a really hard, complicated situation. And I I, I get why people feel the way that they do about them. I do. This is, I want to make that clear that I'm not being like, if you don't get it, like, fuck you. Like, I, this is so hard. It's so confusing. And I definitely understand for all my listeners that have a sibling or a loved one in their immediate family that is a drug user and they are fucking fed up with it and they're fucking fed up with the way that their parents act and their or their significant other acts and like they're fucking done and they're angry like that's a totally valid reasonable feeling and I get it because it's easy for me to sit here and be like this is what they should do but it's really hard to actually be in that situation so I just want to send my love for everybody that's listening, especially I think that has um, like a sibling that's an addict. I really, really feel for you. I would imagine that this episode is really fucking frustrating to watch because the Edwards may remind you of your parents and it sucks. It really sucks. But kind of my same advice that I have for Jen and Larry is like, you can only choose what you're going to do and you can only be responsible for your behavior and you're the only one that can make changes uh, for yourself and it doesn't have, you know, you get to decide how you want to participate. So that's it for this week. I hope everyone has a good week. I will talk to you next week. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.